That was stupid. I grabbed my nuts the wrong way. Oh, you people. You're a bunch, of, a bunch of lemurs, and I'm following you over the go cliff. Ahead, go ahead. Should have grabbed the right nuts instead. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, our team of treasure-hungry academics try to keep it together as they ascend the peak in Mountains of Madness. Then we stake our claims across the dusty dunes as we lead our camel caravans through the desert. And finally, Evan, would you like a cashew? Don't mind if I do. Well, I'll race you to it in Nut So Fast. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. I'm Evan Bernstein, and a gem is an anagram for game. I'm Ed Povolitis. Meg versus man is it a fight? It's a slaughter. I'm Joe Unfraid, and I have a confession to make. I'm part of the machine. I'm Mike Grenier, and I was nearly unnerved at my proximity to a nameless thing at the bottom of a pit. Hey, Ed, do you know what Patreon is? Hey, isn't that on the 4th of July? <gasps> so close! Actually, it's a way for our listeners to support the show for just $3 a month. And when you become a supporter, you get exclusive content and perks like shout outs on the podcast, a free promo spot, and Discord dates. Those are live chats on Discord with WGF panelists. Just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. Our first game up this week is Mountains of Madness. Designed by Rob Daviau, published by Aiello Games in 2017, number of players 3 to 5, ages 14 and up, runtime 60 minutes. We were all at the table for this game. Evan, what'd you think? Any game that has insanity effects is a must-play game in my book. (laughs) Ed, how about you? It is absolutely necessary for the peace and safety of mankind that some of Earth, dark, dead corners, and unplumbed death be left alone. And Joe, how about you? Even though this game's cooperative in nature, the difficulties in communication actually increase your overall feeling of isolation, which aids the atmosphere enormously. Mike, how about you? I've got a complicated relationship with games that exert a time pressure, but this one did it pretty well. Yeah, I found that trying to keep track of the changing madnesses I had to roleplay was a bit of a real-life sanity test, so kudos to the immersiveness of this game. Yes. But before we get into it, Mike, you brought this game to the table. Tell us a little bit about how it's played. In Mountains of Madness, your scientists who've unearthed the vestiges of an ancient city behind a chain of impassable mountains. Players must work together and communicate well to successfully scale this mountain Recover fascinating relics, then escape from this accursed place while trying to maintain your health and sanity. Each step forward will present a challenge requiring players to collectively add a number of their equipment cards within a specific range to defeat it. As you progress, varied types of madnesses seize each member of your team, making communication with each other more difficult as you head towards your inevitable demise. Wow, did communication get difficult. It was very tough to win this <laughs> right from game. from the get-go. Yeah. The reason it gets so difficult is because as the game goes on, each player, as is as would be expected with a Cthulhu game, draws madness cards and has to role play those madness cards, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, And only while the stand timer is running. Yeah. So only while they have to communicate as to what equipment to use to defeat this thing, do they have to play their madness. Mm -hmm. 
And just to be clear, that stand time is only 30 seconds. Yep. Oh, it feels like 10 <laughs> seconds. So it's yeah. it takes a little time to figure out like what their madness is. Like they might be lying to you or they might not be able to say a specific word. In, in right. one of the cases I had, I had to look the person in the eye if I wanted to speak to them. They had to look at me. And I think one of mine had – you were not allowed to look at someone in the eye when you communicated. It was really strange. It's important to realize that you you don't say what your madness is to the other players. They have to figure it out. And I really recommend playing this game without looking at the madness cards first. So when you play this game for the first time through, I think it's really fun to <laughs> not know everybody else's mad, like to not even know what kind of madnesses could come up. Yeah. So that yeah. it's like, yeah. oh my God, Ed's just acting weird. You know, what, what is <laughs> happening? Why is he yelling? <laughs> yes, we got this Tiki, but it's Joe for- lost his arm. And yes. his leg. <laughs> yes, but I have it's the same debilitating madness I must I got this cool shot glass. Every Everything's great. <laughs> TNT for everyone. <laughs> Happy birthday. Who watched the boogie with baby 37? <laughs> yeah. It's um, awesome. Why are you talking to me? Don't talk to me. Exactly. There was a really funny review of this game on Amazon that started by saying, not sure whether this is a tense survival co-op or a hilarious Guess my affliction game. Yeah. <laughs> it's both. I think it's if you made both. a game just about guessing the person's affliction, it would be a fun game all by itself. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. hmm. There was a word I couldn't say, and it was a very well chosen word. Yeah, yeah. Some of the, the madnesses were a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed role playing them. The game is challenging enough in trying to make sure that you're placing out the correct amount of supplies you need to make that round successful with that 30-second time limit. And then you throw on top of it all this madness yeah. and, and mm-hmm. hindrances to our communication. It just yeah, and it really it, does drive you mad. And they have yeah. different levels of madness, too. So it kind of in the beginning of the game, you have no madnesses. So the communication, like you kind of get used to communicating with each other. But then it ramps up and even your madnesses get more difficult. Too. They have different stages right. of madness. But they're not always evenly spread. I found some of the level one ones sometimes more difficult than the level threes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like trying to rhyme. I mean, some people just end up not being able to communicate when they have to rhyme. Well, I think it matters a lot with um, who you're playing with. You, you really get to learn the types of communication that work most effectively with that group of people. It's sort of a Lovecraftian staple that it, the lower levels of madness are... You know, they're less dangerous, but they're harder to detect, and you can sort of stay under the radar, even if you're stark raving mad. Yeah, like Renfield was yeah. with Dracula. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, I think the madnesses would depend, like, which ones are hard really depends on the player, too. Like, something that might be easy for me might be really hard for Ed, and vice versa. Right. So if you're playing this game with friends, you could have a totally different set of communication skills than you would with like a group of strangers. I'd love to see how it plays with a group of strangers. You wouldn't know their communication issues to begin with. <laughs> right, so exactly. you wouldn't know if it's there. It's just how they communicate or if it's part of their madness or what. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You add into all this that we're role players and we love, you know, uh-huh. adding that element of the game, even when it's not required. So there's an extra <laughs> level of complexity that we just decide to sprinkle on. Yes. <laughs> yes. The key rule, though, here is kind of interesting. Is you're not allowed to talk about your madness or even role play your madness until the sand timer is running. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. So also when you when you get the madnesses, you have to uh, make a choice in who in the group is going to get it. It doesn't just automatically happen to a specific person. You can spread it around. That's yeah, that's that helps. 
Yeah, fun thing about this game is the leadership of the expedition that you're actually on changes. So mm-hmm. each turn, a new person gets to lead the group, and they get to make significant decisions. Oh, yeah. That helps a lot with mitigating like the quarterbacking problem that you have with a lot of cooperative games, where one person just takes the reins and dominates One you. person dominates. Mm-hmm. 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 It's tough to avoid, but this one does a good job at avoiding it, I think. Yeah, very good job. So in this game, as we're role-playing, we do play characters. Uh, they give you names and not much else, though. And that, I'm, I'm really not sure. You know, I thought maybe a sentence or two about the character might help, although that might be too much since you also I mean, we breathed a lot of life madness. into the characters regardless, just by the names and the pictures. <laughs> mosh! I say mosh! Mm, I don't feel like moshing. Mosh, I say mosh! We'll take this to the coast on one condition. Gentlemen, wasn't our goal to get to the city? Ignominity, perhaps. It's to be found. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So (laughs) it's basically just a name and a picture and Mm -hmm. nothing else when you're playing that character. But you are expected to play, or at least for us, we expected ourselves (laughs) to perform as that character during the madness period. It was a lot. It was a lot to keep track of. You know, <laughs> it your, sure your was. person that you're playing, like Professor Professor Atwood or Professor Lake. Yeah, and then there's also guys like Danforth who are like these big expedition types. Each of these characters are double sided, so they can be male or female. Right. And the art for those characters was really good. The art for the game in general is good. There's not a lot of art, but there's enough to evoke the feel of the game. Yeah, just enough. The components are nice and just enough to convey the theme of the game. Yep. Uh, actually, I might have liked to, to see a little bit more of the uh, insanity and madness of H.P. Lovecraft in the art and the components, but I can understand why they went for a rather lighter feel of the Lovecraft theme in the game. They make it more accessible to families. One of the cool things about the art was on each card was a picture of the equipment that you were going to need. And the equipment was colored, like red guns, blue books, yellow um, yellow rope, and Usually. a yellow rope. Well, that's yeah. how it started. <laughs> <laughs> One of the fun things about it was those colors were established at the beginning of the game. Books would be blue. Minor spoiler alert. Yeah, but I mean, that's true. It is a spoiler. But here's what we'll say. That plays, uh, that plays a role later to where mm-hmm. I think colorblind people actually have an advantage in this game. <laughs> One of the few games where I've ever seen that, or the only game where I've ever seen that. If I recall correctly, there was no specific mechanic to prevent the team from concentrating all the madnesses in one character. The person whose turn it is has control over that, but you kind of consult the rest of the team. But the ultimate decision goes to whoever's turn it is, which is one of the ways they prevent like the quarterbacking problem. Yeah, if I see Celeste has three madness cards and Mike has none, I'm more apt to give the next madness to Mike rather than Celeste. Right. (laughs) Well, once you reach level three, you can't gain a higher level madness. So it is a big deal for the leader. He gets to pick who gets madness cards. And also, uh, he can use leadership chips, which once they're gone, they're not available to the next leader until, you know, we rest or do something else. So that's a significant, it's a significant thing they affect for the game. They have, they have real lasting effects. I really like the way the leadership tokens work. You have a limited supply of them, and they can give you 30 more seconds. Oh, Mm -hmm. so needed. The ability to draw more tiles, or the ability to ignore somebody's madness for a round. 
The last thing you can do is rest, which will reshuffle the deck, but you lose one of those tokens for the rest of the game. Right. As yeah. you as you cycle through them, you'll end up losing them, and it makes you weigh the advantage of heading to the top of the mountain as quickly as you can or spending time to stockpile the relics so you can beat the game. Um, and that's one of the mechanics that helps you, that forces you to do that. Yeah, and the goal of the game is to collect more relics than you've gotten injuries. Mm-hmm. And boy, oh boy, it is tough. Uh, yep. We kind of went for the strategy of shoot pretty quickly to the top of the mountain, and we barely <laughs> made it out with enough relics. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. floating around the mountain longer, taking more time to play the game will definitely give you more relics, but it'll also, it could also give you more injuries. It'll certainly give you more madness. Mm-hmm. So it's a tough balance. Although it's insidious because in a lot of the Lovecraftian stories, you know, the the very competent, inspiring, effective leader can actually hide his insanity for for a good long time. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. No, we are not going back down. We're going up. We're going up, 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 onward. (laughs) Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Mountains of Madness. Joe, what do you think? Dig it up, replayability, and unpredictability are facilitated by the many cards involved. You'll need a lot of playthroughs before it seems too familiar. Evan, how about you? Dig it up. Worthy of multiple plays. Insanity via Lovecraft is always alluring, and co-op games are rarely boring. Ed, how about you? While a few of the madnesses are more frustrating and fun, to mix all together makes the challenge fun and occasionally insane. Dig it up. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, how about you? It made me want to play again so I could see more of the madnesses and try different tactics, and that's a really good sign for me, so I say dig it up. Yeah, despite this co-op usually ending in failure (laughs) or barely keeping your post at the university thanks to tenure, I I would dig up this spooky romp. Mike, where can you find it? You can get this one online or at your local game store for around 35 bucks. If you have thoughts about Mountains of Madness, let us know. We are on social media at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our next game up this week is Through the Desert, designed by Reiner Nesia, published by Cosmos and Fantasy Flight Games. The edition we played was Z-Man Games 2017. Number of players, 2 to 5, ages 10 and up. Runtime, 45 minutes. We were all at the table for this game. Joe, what do you think? Deserts have always been kind of a turnoff for me in games, but I thought it was interesting to see one that sets its desert civilization at such an early stage of development. Evan, how about you? Stop! Camel time! (laughs) (laughs) And Mike, how about you? Day 36. So thirsty. Is that an oasis or just a mirage? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ed, how about you? Boldly lead your tribe across the sun-baked sands of the Sahara. In this harsh environment, only the strong survive. Hey, keep your pastel blue camels away from my oasis. Shoot. Yeah, um, building camel chains on a board. <laughs> <laughs> Ed, you brought this game to the table. Tell us a little bit about how it's played. In Through the Desert, you control a tribe of nomads vying for control of the desert. On your turn, you place two camels, expanding your caravans across the desert. By establishing the best caravan, Taking over oasis, claiming valuable water holes, and enclosing the most land, your tribe gains points and increases in power. There are multiple ways to gain points and several ways to win. Should you try to build the longest caravan? Or should you dominate the desert's oasis? Don't forget to keep an eye on your opponent's caravan, or you may find your own tribe cut off from valuable water holes. 
The game ends when all camels of one color have been placed. The tribe with the most points wins. Why exactly were, like, why do you think they chose pastel camels? I thought they stood out really well against the desert background. Plus, I was thinking in my head, like, Silk Road, maybe, like, colorful silks, I was thinking. Oh, I'm all for colorful. It's just the particular colors they chose. They they look like uh, Smarties, you know, those candies to me. I mean, I wanted I I, I wanted to eat them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they do look a little bit like candy pieces, but I think they were kind of cool looking to me. I thought the camels were really neat pieces. Yeah, and they were high quality for sure. Yeah, with the desert roots crisscrossing in a shape that is—it's not a regular shape. It's it's a rather oblong shape. Seemed to fill up the play area too fast. It did look really crowded by the end of the game. Well, I mean, that's kind of the point. You'd expect that, like in Ticket to Ride, you expect the game to look like a, you know, a rabbit warren. But you don't expect it by turn two. The idea of the camels being the representations of your roots didn't really work for me because camels move. They're, they have motion. When we do a train game like this where we're building roots, we lay track. Track is motionless. That little contextual piece was an issue for me, and it, it pulled me out of the game. Yeah, for me, I think it kind of worked because I imagine it like, oh, you're looking at a board and you're zoomed out and you're seeing the camel going across the board. Well, I think it was just supposed to represent the route your camels would go back and forth across, right? I mean, I know what it was supposed to represent. For me, the representation being abstract was tougher to deal with. I mean, I think this game, you could have just laid any kind of skin over the top of it, though, and it would have worked. Like, could have been trains, could have been, you know. Alien spaceships in space. It could have been anything. <laughs> yeah, the theme is light, but the, I think the art, the board, and the pieces were done well enough to convey the desert setting. Now, I'd have liked there to be some form of conflict resolution regarding territory disputes or maybe even more variety in the settings. Camels come to a head and fight it out <laughs> or something. Or <laughs> camel well, fight. Camel fights. <laughs> Spit at each other or something. And I don't know how fair it is for, for me to say that. It is a game set in the desert, so these issues literally sort of come with the territory. And if you did include that in this game, it'd become more like a war game. I mean, a fight would have been kind of exciting. I, I, I find that area control games like this kind of have a lot of thought happening, a lot of concentration, but not a lot of exciting gotcha type moments that make yeah. the game fun to watch, at least. Uh-huh. Maybe there should have been some random pieces or pieces in which had question marks on it. And you, if you go to capture it, it's either a positive or a negative. You take, you're taking some kind of risk in doing so. Well, I'll agree that there, there weren't a lot of story elements in the game. And it's actually, I think, best described as a, a light, abstract Euro game. I think the strategic elements in the game are excellent and very satisfying for me. Yeah. I mean, right, right from the initial placement, what color you choose to place where are very important. These decisions are directly influenced by the actions of the other player, where they're going with their colors. Now, are they cutting you off there, or mm. can they sneak around and grab those points over there? Yeah, mm-hmm. strategic choices and tactical choices are are good in this game, Ed, but you must admit these mechanics are not brand spanking new. It's a classic game from 20 years ago. W- wait a minute here. So, so, you, so your point is that it's more like it's strategic in the sense that Othello is strategic. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people think of this game like Go, because you're trying to move pieces to cut off and contain areas just for you. 
with a game like Go or Checkers or something. It's abstract and, and they don't make any bones about it. They show you abstract pieces so that you're not expecting a story. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And then this one, uh, that was kind of my main problem. Yeah, this it. game fits squarely into the abstract strategy game category, but has a skin on it that makes it look like it should have more of a story. I get that. Yeah, And that the theme should highly inform the play or mm-hmm. should inform the play. And it, and it, to me, it didn't do that enough. Okay. Yeah, if maybe if each each caravan had a leader who had a special trait or something uh, yeah. made it unique. I mean, that would put the game into a different category, kind of. But but yeah, that would be a fun game, though. I mean, let's face it, we ran out of you know role playing ideas for this about thirty seconds <laughs> into the game, so <laughs> that was about that. <laughs> This is the kind of game where if you play it a second time, you'll have a lot of information from the first time you played to do a lot better job. It seems like a game you can master over time. That's exactly one of the things I like about the game. You have a lot of strategy exploring. And while I agree the theme could have been anything, I think it helped to have a little theme there to make it rather than just black and white pieces on the board. Mm -hmm. As far as the the strategy goes, replayability, definitely there if you like this type of game. That is absolutely true. Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury through the desert. Joe, what do you think? The game's not my favorite. I did like the strategy of staking out the original land claims. Still, I'd bury it. Evan, how about you? I think it's a relatively simple game, a good family game, but the design and play are a little too basic. Um, There are other better family night games, so like the Ark of the Covenant, bury it in the sand. Mike, how about you? It felt like an abstract strategy game hidden behind a pretty facade. Uh, not my favorite, but maybe worthy of another play or two. So for now, dig it up. Ed, how about you? Great abstract game that is light, very easy to learn, and quick to play. With each play, you'll find multiple deep strategies to explore. Dig it up. For me, the slightness of the theme and the abstractness of collecting numbers on the board really left me cold. So I'll say bury it. Ed, where can you find this game? D-Man Games had recently released a nice-looking addition in the game that includes a second variant board on the opposite side. It's readily available at your local online game store and retails for about 45 bucks. If you have thoughts about Through the Desert, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. Our last game up this week is Nut So Fast. Designed by Jeff Lai, published by Smirk and Laughter Games in 2018. Number of players 3 to 6, ages 8 and up. Runtime, 20 minutes. We were all at the table for this game. Evan, what did you think? Nuts. Just nuts. It's just nuts. (laughs) Ed, how about you? Don't get too distracted laughing because you have to be the fastest nut in the West. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, how about you? General Anthony McAuliffe, who sent back the one-word reply of nuts to the Germans' offer to let him (laughs) surrender at Bastogne, might have enjoyed this game. And Mike, how about you? I am shocked that nobody was injured in this frenetic nut-grabbing madness. Uh, Cards, grabbing stuff fast, doing crazy poses. I mean, how bad could it be? (laughs) In the box are pose cards nut cards, and big wooden pieces in the shape of various nuts. The wooden nuts are laid out in the center of the table. Players take turns flipping nut cards over, and everyone has to look at the cards fast to see if there are the appropriate nut matches on the cards so they can grab that nut from the center of the table. Sometimes pose cards come up instead, and you have to do the pose displayed, such as rabbit ears behind the heads. 
In either case, the slowest players often get penalties. The player with the least penalties at the end of three rounds wins the game. The game is simple. I mean, there's just enough variations in the patterns that it takes the moment to consider. It, it is, because it isn't just matches like two pistachios, grab a pistachio. It's four of a kind and seven of a kind. It's picture recognition, high-speed picture recognition that is mm -hmm. complicated by having two cards and slightly complex patterns. That was one of the mistakes we made. It's actually you flip one card at a time. Sometimes you can get the pattern with just the first card. That's right. <laughs> I think I thought I put too much thought into this one because I always worry about the potential unfairness in a game where you're <laughs> fighting for pieces in the middle of the board and quickly grabbing them. Like, are they equally placed in reach of everybody? Uh, you know, is the card being looked at before it's flipped? And then I was like, why am I bothering worrying about that? It's like it's just like a kid's game that's just meant yeah. to be silly yeah. and fun. So. But it's more than that because it's a brain twister in that you're trying to match shapes with pictures and quantities and be faster than other players. So all these things are going on in your mind and it throws yeah. you, your brain sh can short circuit over, over trying to go through these mental gymnastics. And you, I think you wind up getting things wrong more often than you get them right. Uh, did I grab the right one? I don't think so. <laughs> Right. Well, no! Yeah. No! What? You, you no! can't do that? No! Where does it no. say you can't you do that? Grab the nut. It was still there. No, you grabbed the nut. I grabbed First two off, nuts. First off, that's completely wrong. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, uh, I found myself getting things wrong a lot. Neurologically, the unique patterns you're looking for, uh, and with the time constraint, make this a very hard game to play consistently well. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. There, is, there is a level of depth to it. I mean, sometimes I thought, oh, wow, I'm on fire. I'm unstoppable. I'm, you know, I'm a master. And, and then, like, yeah. And that would fall apart two minutes later. Yeah. That's a sign of an elegant game, which is the, the, des the design is simple. The rules are simple, but it sends your brain into this tizzy uh -huh. <laughs> and you fumble over yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In addition to that, there are these poses, which the combination <laughs> of nuts and poses seemed a little clunky to me. Um, like, I don't even know if the poses were necessary. Like, well, I think they added an extra challenge, though, because your hands are not just hovering over the nut board. You know, you're like, oh, my God, I have to do something else right now. It like takes you out of that zone. It's, it's a significant gear switch. It's taxing on your brain. You're using a totally different part of your brain after that. G going from just go as fast as you can to try and get the pose right. The wooden pieces that, that with the, the colorful icons on these nuts, you, you want to grab them. They look cool. And they felt good in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They're very chunky pieces. But they're not tasty, though. No, they no. aren't. And I don't like games that make me hungry. Yeah. That That is my <laughs> one drawback. It did make me a little hungry looking at these delicious pistachios and cashews and stuff tantalizing the game pieces need salt or or, or chocolate or something <laughs> dark, dark chocolate they're really good looking and they have these cheerful faces on them like come on grab me mm -hmm. <laughs> that's right it's the kind of game where if people are spectating too they wonder what the heck is going on over there it definitely is a game i'd stop and look at if yeah. i was walking past it at a con or something and there are a sufficient amount of grrr moments you know like ah I just missed it. That's oh. right. Yeah, you have the same piece as somebody else yeah. in, in your hand and you're fighting over, like, getting it out of their hand. Or that you grabbed it, you're sure you grabbed it, and then you open your hand to realize, I didn't grab the right nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I was sure I yep. did. I've done, I did that a few times. You know, this game deserves an award for the most elegant use of clunkiness. I agree. 
<laughs> because lots of games, in, you know, use clunkiness as an enforcement mechanism to increase, you know, overall challenge. But th- this sort of does it in a seamless way without bearing us under a bunch of extra rules we don't need, which is what you want for a game you can play on a picnic day. And we did. Yeah, it's really inviting for any type of crowd. So yeah. I love that. Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury nuts so fast. Joe, how about you? Yeah, I don't know what else there's to say about this. I mean, consistently occupied, consistently engaged, dig it up. Evan, how about you? Dig it up. It's a silly theme, but we laughed the whole time. So play it with kids, play it with adults. Ed, how about you? You'd have to be nuts not to laugh at this game. Dig it up. (laughs) Mike, how about you? Quickly and accurately assessing and acting on changing information, this is challenging complexity hidden behind silly innuendo, so dig it up. Dig it up. It was good, exciting, and fun, and maybe a secret brain burner. You can find this game online and locally, 15 to 20 bucks. If you have thoughts about Nuts So Fast, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. Follow us on your favorite social media. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. Join our chat on our Discord server, Which Game First. And our supporters get access to exclusive chats with the panelists. Happy gaming, everybody. Happy gaming. See you next game. Happy We'll be back when the day is new, and we'll have more ideas for you. And you'll have things you'll want to talk about. I 